Amen. Our family had the opportunity in 2008 to meet in Italy and travel the countryside for a couple of weeks near the little village of Tamai in northern Italy where we stayed most of the time. There were a lot of vineyards and driving on those two-lane blacktop roads in that part of the country there reminded me of kind of what it's like driving in northwestern Ohio uh, where the flattens out, you know, and um, yet you see all these um, fields with corn and beans and all of that in it in Ohio. But over in Italy, what we saw was because of all of these vineyards, as we drove, we would see these fields and there would just be all of these trellises and arbors and, lo- and rows and lines loaded down with grapevines. And it, it was beautiful. And thinking about that just the other day, it, it reminded me while I was there and seeing that at the time, I couldn't help but think about the words of Jesus, where Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches. Uh, abide in me and I in you. And unless that happens, you cannot bear fruit. And so it just got me thinking again about this whole idea of fruitfulness. And that's what I'd like to speak on today because Jesus had a lot to say about fruitfulness in our lives and fruitfulness in the world for his kingdom. To be fruitful means to be productive, but it also means to be reproductive. Because when you think about it, a plant or anything that produces fruit, it has benefits that we can enjoy. In fact, this morning, some of you probably had some fruit in a way that you didn't think about, but if you had a cup of coffee this morning, uh, or maybe you've had something to eat with fruit, but, but actually, if you had coffee, you enjoyed some fruit this morning because it was the fruit of that coffee plant. Of course, the coffee beans that uh, were dried out and everything that's done to prepare for us to enjoy coffee. But what I'm saying is fruit is different than oftentimes what we would label it in a grocery store. So again, fruit has to do with what we produce in life but it does also have to do with reproduction because botanists will tell you the fruit that comes from a plant has to do with the seed being in there and and again with that plant being able to reproduce and multiply. And so you can obviously draw the analogy or the metaphor that Jesus was trying to teach us as far as spiritual things in our life. He wants us to be productive for his kingdom in the world, but he also wants us to be reproductive in that He wants other people to come to know him. He wants other people to be born again, to experience eternal life and forgiveness and to become part of his kingdom. So in that aspect, as his followers, we are to be reproductive as well. He also wants us to have the qualities and characteristics that are in him to be in us. So again, thinking about what Jesus spoke, I'd just like for you to look at that verse, John chapter 15, verse 5. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Now, when he said that, he was obviously talking about fruit for God's kingdom, spiritual fruit. Um, Really, literally, you could say without him, we could do nothing because he's the life giver. He created this world and life and everything that we know. So literally, without him, we couldn't do anything. 
but certainly in this life, whether you're walking with him or not, you, can, you maybe could do some things that are helpful or uh, have an impact in the world, but spiritually speaking, without him and his spirit, it won't be lasting and valuable according to his will and his ways. So think of it in this way, as as a plant or a tree has the roots that go into the ground and it's drawing all the nutrients from the soil and then the rain that comes down and the moisture is going through the cellular structure of that tree or that plant or again the grapevine or whatever analogy you wanna use, that sap and that moisture is carrying all those nutrients up through the cells of that trunk into the branches and then as those nutrients are being carried out into those branches and the leaves and everything that God works in his amazing creation, the fruit begins to develop and then is born so that we can enjoy it to eat, but also it's beneficial because it can help with the reproduction of that particular plant or species. Well, when Jesus chose that word abide, as it's recorded for us in the scriptures, and again, the New Testament is written in Greek, um, the common everyday language, Koine Greek of the day. But that word abide in the Greek is, is minnow. And no, it's not a little baby fish. <laughs> it's, it's like M-E-N-O, and we pronounce it minnow. You say, Mark, what's that got to do with anything? Well, it's really cool because when you look at the meaning of that Greek word, there's three aspects of it. It, it has to do in reference with a place so if you are uh, abiding in something, in a place, it means to remain in that same place or to dwell there, to kind of live there. That's, that's where you hang out. So it's the place where you hang out, you abide there. So in, in regards to a place, it's a place where you remain and stay. In regards to time, it, that word in the Greek means to continue. It means to last, to endure. So it's long-term, long time. And then also that word has this connotation as far as a state or a condition that we might be in, and that condition is one of remaining. So it's a really rich word, abide in me, Jesus says. So it's in relation to the place where we are and kind of where we hang out, uh, spiritually speaking, and and literally I think sometimes even in in our choices of where and who we hang out with, but also it means to continue, to not give up on it, to stay, abide in him, because he wants to continue and stay and not give up on you. And then also, again, to remain as one, to remain connected. So God is glorified when you and I abide in Christ and as his Holy Spirit is working and dwelling in your soul and your spirit, my soul, my spirit, uh, individually, but then again, collectively working through us, it's a process that just kind of naturally some good things should begin to form and come out of our life that become evident for other people to see. And there are different types of spiritual fruit. We'll look at a little bit of that in, in, in a few moments. But Jesus said, by this my Father is glorified, this is in verse 8 of John chapter 15, his words are recorded, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. So now Jesus gets a little bit more specific and he says, you're going to know and people are going to know if you really are my serious disciples, taking seriously what I'm teaching and, and not only just believing in me, but then wanting to share it and grow in your faith and become a student of mine, and graduate from Jesus University, um, 
You're going to show that you're my disciple if you're bearing fruit for my kingdom. It's going to glorify God, and it's not going to be just a little dab of fruit occasionally here or there. Your life is going to, it's just going to be flowing out of your life, and there will be much fruit. Now, Jesus, again, he talked about fruit and fruit bearing in different ways. So there's another passage in the scripture where his teaching is recorded in a little different way. It's in Luke chapter 6, verses 43 through 45. And here his words are recorded where he says, No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good person brings good things out of the good stored up in their heart, and an evil person brings evil things out of the evil stored up in their heart. So again, your fruit or your fruitfulness is what you're producing in the world around you. It's the result of your influence. It's the result of your work. It's the result of your interactions with other people. So here's a a point for all of us to think about today. This message is meant to be kind of a self-examination thing for you to think about. But what kind of fruit are you bearing in the world where you live, whether it's in your home or your place of work or the community? What kind of impact are you having on other people with what's coming out of your life? Because though we're not supposed to judge other people, Jesus clearly teaches that by what comes out of a person, you can begin to get a pretty good idea of whether they're connected to him or not, or how fully they are connected to him by what is being produced out of their life. And so again, this is an opportunity for us to ask ourselves that question, and maybe if you're even brave enough and courageous enough, ask that question to some people around you and say, you know, what are you seeing in my life? Do you, do you really see me as taking my faith seriously, or, or does it seem to be just a convenient thing or a joke, maybe, because I proclaim it, but I'm not really living it out? So again, what you produce is your fruit in the world, and it's dependent, here it is, on what you are allowing to be filled into your life. In the same way that a plant in the soil that it's planted in has nutrients in the soil, depending on what nutrients are in that soil and what amount of rain and everything it gets is gonna have an effect on what it produces. So what you are allowing into your mind, your thought life, your soul, your heart on a regular basis is the nutrients, so to speak, that's going into your life and it's going to affect what comes out. So my question, my first question today for us to consider is what are you filling your heart, mind, and soul with on a daily basis? All right, so thinking about that, then the next question we ought to consider is, well, okay, how can I bear good fruit? What does it mean to abide in Jesus? What's that all about? Well, good fruit starts with good seed that's planted in a place or comes into a place that is available or available soil. So again, Jesus tells a parable that's probably a familiar parable to many people, and we don't necessarily think of it in the idea of fruitfulness, but you're going to see as you listen to the parable, maybe with a fresh set of ears, that it absolutely has everything to do with being fruitful in the world and having a spiritual impact, not only in your own life, but in the world around you. 
So his words are recorded here in Matthew chapter 13, beginning in verse 3, as he tells this story, this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on the rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow, but when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no real root. Other seed fell among thorns which grew up and choked the plants, and yet there was still other seed that fell on good soil where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let him hear. So Jesus tells this story to help us think about the way that we're responding to the teaching of Christ, the Word of God, and again, how much we are being available to have his seed planted in our mind and in our heart and in our soul. In fact, the disciples, uh, they didn't have the scriptures back then. They didn't have a commentary they could go to and say, oh yeah, we got this, we understand Jesus. They said, Lord, what do you mean by this story that you've told? So he explains it to them and we have the benefit of that. In Matthew chapter 13, verses 18 through 23, we don't have to guess about it. Jesus explains it. He says, listen to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand that the evil one comes and snatches away what is sown in their heart, this is the seed along the path. So here's what happens today in our culture. Sermons are preached. The message of the gospel is shared with people that God loves you, that you're a sinner, I'm a sinner, we're all sinners, but he loves us. He came into this world, he took on flesh and blood, he died on the cross. To, to bear the consequences of our sin, which is death. And, and he not only bore it in his body, but then he conquered it. He rose again the third day so that if we put our faith and trust in him, we can be out from under the eternal consequences of that, that separation from God because God loves us. He wants us to be in a relationship with him now and forevermore. And so this is why Christ rose from the dead and he wants you to put your faith and trust in him and he wants to fill you with his Holy, with his Holy Spirit. He wants you to open your life and be willing to receive him and believe in him and follow him. That's the gospel message. It's good news. The bad news is we've all messed up and we continually do it. The good news is God loves us and he's done something about it and he's offering his presence and his forgiveness and his grace, but he gives us the choice to receive it or not. So again, the question is what kind of soil are you gonna be? Because here's what the world does. The world says, oh yeah, well that's one viewpoint, but... Here's a different worldview. Here's what I believe. Here's what the world says. Here's what this form of teaching says. Here's what this religion says over here. And who's to say which is right? So that's like the seed that rolls along the path. And if we don't allow it to really sink into our life and take it, the worldview can come along. The other worldviews just... Um, like the, the crows that come along and, and they take, the birds come along and they eat up that seed and it can't have any effect. So again, it does not understand uh, the evil one comes and snatches away that was sown in their heart. This is the seed along the path. So even today, right now, as I'm bringing this message, for some of you, if you're not listening intently, and I'm not saying this because I'm reading expressions or anything, it's just a matter of fact, or if you're listening online, I can't see you. 
But the point is, if you're already tuning out and you're already thinking about other things, guess what's happened? This is a fulfillment of what Jesus said. The seed's fallen and it's going to you, wants to take root in your heart, but you're letting the other things just start coming along and your mind's on other stuff and the seed just rolls off, has no effect. The seed falling on rocky ground, Jesus goes on, refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. So maybe there's some of you right now listening to this message so far, you've stayed with me. You're like, okay, this is making sense. Or maybe you've heard the gospel message before and say, that sounds really cool. I like the fact that God loves me and, and, and that's wonderful. And so I'm excited about that. And maybe they even make some kind of profession of faith, but there's something that happens and Jesus goes on and he talks about it. Seed on the rocky soil refers to someone who hears the word and receives it at once with joy, but since they have no root, it lasts only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. These are people who are like, well, Jesus, I put my trust in you. I accepted you as my savior. Why is all this bad stuff happening to me? I thought this was gonna be different. I thought when I accepted you that everything was gonna be great and things would be so much better, and it's not. And I guess, I guess maybe this stuff isn't true. And, uh, and, and again, they, they fall away. They, they received it with joy at one time, but now stuff has happened. The stuff of life has happened. They're disappointed, they're disillusioned. And especially if they start taking some heat because they say they believe in Jesus and family members or friends or coworkers, you know, laugh or make fun or put down the Christian faith, it's like, uh, this isn't really worth it because the word of God and his spirit hasn't been allowed to take deep root in your soul to be able to withstand all that. Because it, it is a part of life, it will happen. Storms come into our lives but plants that have the deep root and go down deep and can keep that nutrient there to protect them in the change of the seasons, they can come back and they can bloom again. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. So here again, there's some of you right now, maybe you're listening to this message and something I've said or something comes into your mind and you're already thinking about lunch, probably the fact that I just suggested it, now you're thinking about lunch. <laughs> or you're thinking about what you wanna do later today or you know, how long is this sermon gonna last because I gotta get out of here, I got other things to do. Hey, I get it, I've been there, <laughs> but I'm just teaching the truth. But what are we doing? We're doing exactly what Jesus said. The word is going out. It's being taught right now in this moment. His seed, his word is going out from my mouth. And it's striking each of you in different ways. And if you're thinking about what you're gonna do this afternoon or tomorrow or how long is this gonna last or anything, you're allowing the worries of this life and the other things to come in and to just choke that. God's wanting to grow it He's wanting to give life to it. It's wanting to spring up within you and you're letting the words just choke it and bring it back down. And there's not gonna be any good fruit come out of it. I mean, so this is real stuff. It's real stuff. And he wants us to think about it. Jesus, unlike seed in soil that just kinda, it happens by a process, we have a choice in this. Whether we can be a type of soil that is going to be hard or hard-hearted or shallow or allow the worries of this life and, and everything that happens to choke that out, or we can choose 
to be like a farmer or a gardener that when seed is planted, they prepare the soil and if some weeds start growing up, they're like, that ain't gonna happen and they pluck the weeds up and they root it out and they make sure the soil remains good so that that good seed that is in there has plenty of room to get the right kind of nutrients and it can grow and not get choked out. You see, this whole Jesus thing and this spiritual growth thing doesn't just happen without any involvement on your part. God gives us a choice and a free will and an ability to make choices because we're created in his image. That's part of being created in his image. It's not that we look like God or God looks like us. It's that he gives us a free will. We are creative. We can make decisions. We can make choices. We can determine things. I mean, the fact that you all are here hearing my voice right now didn't just happen by chance. We planned this. <laughs> the praise team came and practiced last night. They planned, and thank God, they made it happen. Now, I know God was working through them, but I'm saying we didn't all just get up this morning and kind of wander around, and here we are. We're here because we planned it. We made it happen. That's being created in the image of God because God speaks forth his word and it happens. That's how he created the universe. He made it happen. So you and I created in his image in a way of honoring God, we can make things happen in our life. Now granted, it has to be with his spirit working in us. Don't misread what I'm telling you. But what I'm saying is sometimes Satan comes along and he deceives us and he tells us, you didn't make that happen and you know, it's just a life is all chance and whatever and you know. Well, no, you don't know, we don't know. We're created in God's image and he gives us a mind and intelligence. And so we can make a determination and by faith we can follow through and we can actually make stuff happen. Again, we give God the glory for that, but you get my point. It's the same way with bearing fruit in your life. It's not something that you're just detached from and you do whatever you wanna do and somehow good fruit grows. There has to be some intentionality and cooperation. So we need to make sure that we're allowing the soul of our mind and our heart and our spirit to allow that word to go into our mind, to not only listen to it, but then allow it to penetrate down into our soul and to begin to meditate on it and think about it and look for ways to apply it. And then as we begin to exercise his word, that then will help us to grow spiritually and bear fruit. That's why Jesus said in one verse before John chapter five, what I've already quoted to you, he said these words, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. You see, it's a choice. It's a choice we make. So remember, to abide means a residing in the same place, dwelling there, hanging out there. It means to continue as far as time. Don't give up on it, continue, last, endure, and then to remain as one. So we can abide in Christ in a few ways. I, I just listed a few. This isn't an exhaustive list, but first of all, we abide in Christ through his Holy Spirit indwelling us. Again, just in the same way that those nutrients from the soil go into a plant and water and everything carries it through that cellular structure and it goes up into the plant and then it bears fruit. There is a process that's going on. You and I have to stay open to Christ's Holy Spirit dwelling within us. And it is a mystical spiritual thing. I can't, I can't fully explain it, but you just have to open your life up to it 
And it's a work of God. That's why Jesus referred to it as being born again. It's not something you work up to. It's not following rules and regulation. It is a spiritual birth that results from a heart that has received the word, believed it, trusted, and the soil. And God's spirit does something miraculous within you. Can't explain it, but he gives you that spiritual birth. And all of a sudden you begin to kind of start seeing things in a new light and in a new way. That's why Jesus said, unless you're born again, you can't see the kingdom of God. He, he wasn't saying you have to be born again to get into, well, he was saying this, you, you do have to be born again to get into the kingdom of God. But he's saying, unless you're born again, you can't even see it. That's why some of the things I'm gonna say today in this message, there will be some that would laugh at it, there will be some that will disagree, and there will be some that say, eh. Because if you're not born again, you're not even gonna see this stuff and how it fits together. So we need to have his Holy Spirit indwelling us, and then we need to know his written word. And I put it that way, know his written word, because I've talked to many people who say, you know, Mark, I I really wanna read the Bible, but I just have trouble reading. I can't focus, I'll I'll try to start reading, and sometimes it just doesn't make sense, or I, I can't focus. Well, there's other ways you can know the word of God. It's uh, recorded just like audio books. You can get the audio Bible and you can listen to it. So, sorry, no excuse if you're not good at reading. You can listen to it. Um, There's other ways that you can know the Word of God. You can go to Sunday school classes and life groups and talk to people that are serious about their faith and their learning and they're a student of Christ, they're a disciple of Christ. And you can listen to them and learn and know His Word that way. You can listen to sermons, you can watch sermons. The Bible is absolutely free and available in multiple ways. Online, Bible Hub is a website that you can all use. It's totally free. It's got several different translations of the scriptures. It's got commentaries on there. There is a wealth of information about the word of God. There is no excuse for any of us to say, oh, gee, I didn't know. So again, it's making a choice. Are you going to make the choice to know his word? And then what works for you? If, it does, if reading doesn't work, then listen to it. If that doesn't work, get with somebody who knows, listen to messages. Uh, there's a lot of, of uh, good teaching out there. And then another way that we abide in him is we need to employ his teaching or put it into practice. So it's more than just hearing his word. We need to do it. We need to practice it. That's a way that we abide in him and we stay current with him. And then also prayer. Prayer is a spiritual exercise. It's not just you coming to God with your grocery list. Okay, God, here's all the people I'm gonna pray for. Or having a sheet of paper with people's names on it. I'm not against this. Okay, so if you, if you practice this, but I, I just want you to think about prayer is not having a stack of names of people you put your hand on, God bless all these people, because he will and he does. But that's kind of the easy way out. God wants us to abide in him. He wants us to meditate, to reflect, to really think about the people that we're praying for and maybe try to empathize with them and think about what they're going through because prayer is a communion with God. Again, it's not just you reading off your little grocery list of prayer people and prayer concerns. So you need to quiet yourself and you need to carve out some time in your day to think and, and to reflect and to say, okay, God, help me just to be quiet for a few minutes. And you know the stuff that's on my mind that I know this, this list of people I need to pray for. But right now, Lord, why don't you lay on my mind somebody I need to pray for? What do you want me to pray about today? You'll be amazed. You will be amazed because he is just waiting for you to ask that question. 
He longs to say, finally, I can get a word in edgewise. And he'll begin to, through his spirit, lay people on your mind, situations, and just go with it. Just go with the flow. Okay, Lord, wow, I hadn't thought about that. Okay, I don't know what's going on in their life, but I'm, I lift them up to you right now, Lord. Help them. Continue to guide me as I pray. Another good way to prepare your heart to pray is, again, to read the Scripture or to listen to his word. Because that's how he speaks to us is through his written word. It's living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, as the Scripture says. I was thinking of this this week. It's probably not a great analogy. But think about how familiar we are with, um, let's see, I got one up here, these little devices. I'm sure none of you have ever heard of these things. But, But what I'm doing right now this screen might seem like it is uh, just there, but there's something that can happen. If I tap it, wow, something happened. It's interactive. If I tap this, look at that. This thing is living. It's active. It's amazing. Now, I know I'm being a little silly, But that's what people do. We look at the scripture and we say, oh, it's outdated. It was written generations ago. What does that have to do with today? And you know what? If you'll open up those pages and you'll let your little eyeballs touch those words and pray, you'll be amazed at what reactions can happen in your soul and your spirit. It's like a touch screen. Oh, does that help you understand a little bit about how the word of God is living and active? It can speak to you. You've got to have ears to hear, eyes to see, and a willing heart. So prayer is one of those ways. Fellowship with other believers is absolutely a way that you can abide in Christ. What you're doing right now is wonderful. I'm glad you're here this morning. It's encouraging when when I see all of you coming out and worshiping together. And as Christ's spirit is indwelling each one of you, and then you're interacting with each other. His, his spirit is working through you and you and you and you and you and me. And when we're talking together, it's kind of like, oh, this is kind of cool. I've, I've had people tell me one of the best things I hear is when somebody comes and walks in the door and they say, you know what? I just, I came in here and it's like I could just feel something different. And, and, or they're like, I, just, I walked in the door and I just had this peaceful feeling. Well, it's not just because of the building. I think it's because of you and I and the way God's Spirit works through us to interact with one another. And it's part of us bearing fruit that they're able to enjoy and and get fed from, and it helps them spiritually. And I'm saying this to say that one of the ways that we abide in Christ is as you and I abide in him individually, but when we come together and we don't forsake our time together, whether it's a Sunday school class or a life group or our worship times or whatever through the week, we need to stay connected to each other because that's one of the ways that we abide in him. Because after all, did not Jesus say, we are the body of Christ, we are his body, and we're all members. So right now, I know we're all familiar with the human body, but let's think about a plant structure So Jesus is the trunk, and all of us are some of those little cells. (laughs) We're those little cells up against each other and with the membranes, and the nutrients are flowing from one cell to the next to the next and the next, and it's getting carried on up through. And so as a church, collectively, we're able to bear fruit. We bear fruit individually. We bear fruit as a church corporately. And that's why it is also so key for us as a church here at Porterfield collectively to stay connected to his spirit to be open to the new things that God is trying to show us and wanting us to do through the leading of his Holy Spirit. And then the final thing, of course, to abide in 
Christ is to abide in the love of God. And this is something that it's hard for us to understand at times because I've gone through that. I've gone through some hard times in my life, even as your pastor, and I've questioned God and and I've even questioned his love. I'm like, you know, Lord, if if you really love me, why is all this stuff happening right now? And and why the stuff I've been praying about, it hasn't happened yet and, and all of that. But here's the thing, even though sometimes I don't fully understand it, it doesn't take away the fact that he does love me and he loves you. It's why he came into this world that he created. It's why he took on flesh and blood. It's why he died on the cross for your sins and my sins, to show and demonstrate his love. He's like, what else can I do to show you how much I love you? And then he conquered death and he said, if you will trust in me, I'm gonna take you to be with me forever. That's love, that's how much I love you. I wanna spend eternity with you. You're that important to me. I don't want to spend eternity without you. So I'm giving my life for you. That's pretty awesome. Well, in thinking about that, I was reminded this week, um, our, both of our children, Julie and I, um, we got two children, they're adults now, they're in their 30s. And even as, an, as adults, I, I love them so much. And it's hard sometimes, I mean, you know, I'll tell them I love them, but it's kind of like, that doesn't really express how I feel, but it's the best I can do. But I also got to thinking back when they were little kids. And any of you, if you're parents of small children, perhaps you'll connect with this. But I remember when my kids were little and we just had a tiny little house and um, they were at the kitchen table. And I, don't, I, I think it was around breakfast time. And they were both eating, munching on their little food and their food's all over their, you know, milk's on their mouth and on their tray and all that. And, and I remember looking at them and just thinking, oh my gosh, you're so cute. <laughs> but then also I remember thinking, I, I love you so much. And it's like, you, you don't even know. <laughs> you have no clue. You have no clue because I'm working hard for you. I'm bringing home a paycheck. Julie's working hard. She's bringing home a paycheck. We're trying to provide a house for you. We want you clothed. We want you well-fed. We want to take care of you. And you're just sitting there eating your little food. <laughs> You have no clue. (laughs) But honestly, when you think, isn't that the way God, I'll tell you, it is the way God is with us. He looks at us and we're going through our life and we're just doing our thing and we're totally unaware of him. And he's like, oh my gosh, you have no clue how much I love you. I've given my life for you. I've given everything for you. I hope one day you'll come to understand that. And I'm glad to say that our kids, as they've grown to adulthood, there were times we doubted it and it was challenged whether they loved us or not. They both expressed that they love us and they appreciate our love for them. And that's, that's an odd, boy, what a, what a great thing. And what I'm saying is that's what God wants for you and I. He wants you and I to just stop and realize, you really do love me. I'm sorry I missed it. Sorry I haven't seen it. So Lord, help me to abide in that love and help me to give it back to you. That is all part of this abiding in Christ. And that's how we start becoming fruitful. Last week I spoke about being useful. This week I'm talking about being fruitful. And obviously next week with Thanksgiving coming, I wanna talk because if you understand that God wants to use you and he wants you to be fruitful and you begin to do that, you can really begin to be thankful for some things maybe that you never took the time to thank him for. But I wanna just wrap this up today with a couple of things. 
And it's really important about fruitfulness because the Apostle Paul writes about this. In Galatians 5, chapter, or chapter 5, verses 22 through 25, he identifies some of this fruit that Jesus is talking about, the characteristics and qualities that are in Christ that he wants to reproduce in us. But the fruit of the Spirit, his Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I always pause there because that's a fruit of the Spirit. If you're living your life out of control and you got no control, then that's a fruit that needs to get developed within you. Against such, there is no law. And isn't that true? There's, there's no laws that I can see on the books anywhere that tells people, don't be loving, don't be joyful, don't be peaceful, don't be patient, don't be kind. You know, all of that, because that fits into what's good for society. So there's no law against these things that are good for society, which does include self-control. And then he says this in verse 24, and those who are Christ's have done what? What's that word? crucified the flesh. What? What? Crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. That sounds painful. That sounds like God's asking me to do something that I maybe really don't want to do that doesn't necessarily feel good. That means I've got to stop doing some things that kind of feel good right now to me and I'm not ready to give up? Yeah, that's what it means. Because when you get involved in those things, it chokes off the fruitfulness that can come out of you. And so again, the scripture is speaking honestly to us and says if we live in the spirit, then we gotta learn to walk in the spirit or cooperate with the spirit's leading. Now here's the part of the message that gets heavy and it gets rough, so just prepare yourself, but it's there and it's truth and if we're gonna be fruitful, we gotta meet it head on to see the things that keep us from being fruitful for Christ's kingdom in the world because this is why we aren't effective as a church. I'm not saying just Porterfield, I'm saying in general as individuals, followers of Jesus. Because remember Jesus said, you can know a, a tree by its fruit. A good tree doesn't produce bad fruit and a bad tree doesn't produce good fruit. Well, now we're seeing some identification of characteristics of fruit. We've just seen the good stuff that is like Christ now we're gonna look at this part that's not like Jesus. In Galatians 5.19, it goes on and it says, now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery. Oh boy, oh boy, I'm gonna start meddling now. But let's be honest, what is adultery? Though it is common in our culture, it's celebrated in movies and TVs like much of this stuff is, and we entertain our minds with it. The fact of adultery is you're having sexual intimacy and relationship and an affair with someone other than your spouse or someone who is married to someone else. That's what adultery is. It's not just a word that we just gloss over or that we just wink at or we say, well, you know, everybody does it, a lot of it happens. I'm saying that is a fruit that is not good in the world. And in love, I'm telling you this, because it's how you separate out good fruit from bad fruit and how you recognize this. The other thing I wanna say is if any of this stuff convicts you in any way, 
I want you to understand that God in his love is convicting you so that you can confess that and use some self-control and then abide in him and allow his spirit to bear good fruit in your life rather than this fruit. Because the world's ideology like the crow is gonna come along right now while I'm saying this and you're gonna, a lot of people are gonna tune me out. Fornication, oh brother. What is fornication? A lot of people don't even know what that word means. Well, what that means is any kind of sexual intimacy with a person other than a person of the opposite sex within the bounds of marriage. Any kind of sexual act, I don't care if you're a teenager or, or you're an older person or whatever, any kind of sexual act outside of those with the person of the opposite sex in the bounds of a committed marriage is fornication. Woo! I can't believe I just said that. Oh boy, I can't wait to read on Facebook. But again, it doesn't matter. It doesn't, doesn't matter what people say about me or... I'm either teaching the truth or I'm not. And I'm just sharing with you the truth of God's word. Let it have its effect in your life. Be good soil that this will sink in and make some sense so that good fruit can bear out of your life and we can truly make a change in the world instead of trying to excuse everything we do. Now, God is a God of grace and forgiveness and he has redeemed all of this stuff. I wanna be clear but he didn't redeem it for you to just continue on in it and say, hallelujah, I'm gonna keep sinning more and more and more because God loves me. He does love you. And that's why he wants to bear good fruit and he wants to turn you from a bad tree into a good tree that produces good fruit and not this stuff. Uncleanness, lewdness. I'm gonna pause on this and then I'm gonna move through the rest of it. But here's another one. Because again, we just diminish stuff. Lewdness is vulgarity or coarseness. How many times do we laugh at dirty jokes or whatever? And I, I used to work at a place where a guy would come all the time, tell dirty jokes, and they were funny. I can't believe the pastor said that. A dirty joke is funny. Well, I'm just being real. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of them they thought, that's hilarious. <laughs> but God began to convict me of it because it's like, hey, Mark, that's kind of this lewdness thing. Oh, oh, okay. Darn it, can't have any fun. <laughs> No, but seriously, God began to convict me of it. And so what happened, this guy that would always come over into my department and say, hey, Mark, I got a joke for you. And, you know, and I was trying to be polite and all that. Oh, yeah. Well, he came to me one day and he said, I, I got a joke for you. You want to hear it? And, and actually, God gave me enough courage. I said, well, actually, I said, if it's a dirty joke, I'd rather not. It, literally, he was like, oh, okay. And he walked away. He said, I knew it was a dirty joke. But, but the point was, I was trying to bear some good fruit in that moment to not just let all this stuff go into my soul and you know, pat him on the back, oh, that was really funny, you're hilarious. Because God was convic convicting me of something greater that I needed to do. And that's what people don't get. When we speak out against certain things, it's not because we hate people. It's not, in fact, it's the opposite. We love people and we want to speak the truth so they can be set free from this stuff. There really is a better way, and that's what this fruit that I'm talking about today, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faith, self-control, those really are a better way to live. It's better fruit in the world. So why do we keep exalting this kind of stuff and what we fill our minds with and entertain ourselves with versus the other stuff? 
So lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath. We saw that uh, Thursday night after the Browns and the Steelers game, right? Anybody watch that? Dude couldn't control his wrath, outburst of anger, smacked the other guy on the head with his own helmet. He's indefinitely suspended. See, there's consequences for this fruit. It, might, it probably felt good to him in the moment. I'll show him. Whack! <laughs> but now he's paying the consequences. So that's not really good fruit. Selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, that's false teaching, which I'm trying to not do. I'm trying to give you true teaching and not just go with the flow like the rest of the world would tell you. Envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. <laughs> He's saying there's so much of this stuff, I can't even cover it all. So just any stuff like this is not good fruit. It's a work of the flesh that's apart from God. Of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in times fast, here's the heavy, here's the heavy part, and you need to hear this, that those who practice such things doesn't mean that you did them at one point in your life and now you're wanting to turn away from it. That's a whole new deal. But if you are allowing this fruit to continually be in your life and you practice it, you're actually giving evidence of what your life is and what's in your life. Those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. It's a wake-up call. I have no pleasure in bringing this message to you other than I want to speak the truth in love. And I'm going to trust God to use it in whatever way he wants so that when I stand before God, he doesn't look at me and say, Mark, you were the pastor of that church. You had all this in my word. Why did you just conveniently not talk about this? Why did you just conveniently not talk about that? They were never warned. So you know what? I'm holding you responsible because you never warned them. You never taught them about my word. You never taught them what my word says to how they could really live a more full life in this world. And God holds all of us accountable in that way to him. So the question is, and this is only for you to answer, what fruit are you producing with your life? And then again, what are you filling your heart, your mind, your soul with? Because what you put into it is eventually what's going to work its way out. Jesus said, Abide in me, because I'm different, and I'll help you to live different. So I want to close with a positive passage of Scripture, and this is it. Second Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 8. This is so hopeful. It's so awesome. This is talking about Jesus. His divine power has given us everything we need for life, and godliness. See, you don't have to live by the fruit of the world and by the standards of the world. You can live by a power that's greater than yourself. It's from Christ. He comes into your life and he will help you if you will self-control, crucify the flesh, open, get your soil of your soul ready to receive that, let it grow in your life, take root and bear fruit. He's given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and goodness. We sang that song today, right before this message. We sang to God, you are good. You're good. Oh. <laughs> and, and he is. So if he's good, then oh, open up your soul and let him come in. 
You'll never think of that song in the same way again, will you? Through these, these great and precious promises, he has given us, or, or through these, he has given us very great and precious promises so that through them, you may participate in the divine nature. Do you hear what that's saying? Your soul is a soil that his divine nature can come into mystically, spiritually. I can't explain it, but by believing, trusting him in him with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, everything, say, Jesus, I don't understand it, but I'm open to it. Teach me, guide me. I want to work with you. If you're that kind of soul, his divine nature will come in and he will help you to live that way so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. It is possible, church, to live a God-honoring life. You don't have to live the way that you were born. You don't have to live the way that the enemy is telling you that you are or everybody else is telling you. You can live a victorious, free, new life, but you gotta find your identity in Christ. Through these promises, you can participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. And then here it is. For this very reason, make every effort. Here's where you can use your choice in this soil and being who you are to be fruitful. Make every effort to add to your faith. It begins with faith. Add to your faith goodness, to goodness knowledge, knowledge of the word of God, to knowledge self-control. Oh, there's that annoying word again. And to self-control, perseverance, don't give up. Hang in there, keep going. And then to your perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. Here it is, for if you possess these qualities increasing in measure, they will keep you from being barren and unfruitful, or literally ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you see how much the scripture talks about the importance of being fruitful. Let's stand. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the opportunity to look into your word today. Thank you for preserving your word that is living and active and we're interacting with it today and we're thinking about it. And I thank you for the privilege that you've given me to speak it out today, even as your spirit's laid some things on my heart today that I hadn't planned on saying. But I just thank you for your Holy Spirit leading. And Lord, I pray, first of all, that you forgive me and cleanse me for anything in my life that's keeping me from being as fruitful as I need to be and should be for your kingdom. But Lord, I pray on behalf of all these listening to the message today, that through this message, Lord, you'll make us all aware of the thorns, the thistles, the weeds, the stuff that's trying to choke out your word and help us to make the choice by faith to trust you and to make that commitment to, to, to crucify the flesh, to do the hard stuff, to exercise self-control, and to choose to allow your word and your goodness and your Holy Spirit to well up within us and grow within us. Help us to cooperate with the leading of your Holy Spirit so that we can be fruitful for your kingdom work, individually, but also collectively as your church. And so, Lord, just use this today in any way that you see fit, and may we honor you with our response in Jesus' name, amen.